everything, and, and they went out to destroy everything, and they saw all these gorgeous, cute sheep. <laughs> they just couldn't bear to destroy them all. So they said, well, um, we'll save some of them, and, oh, that's right, we'll use them for sacrifice to God, although God had said, destroy them all. And so uh, Samuel comes out to greet him, and Saul says, look, I obeyed the word of God, everything, I obeyed it. And Samuel says, what's that bleeding of sheep that I hear, right? What have you done, Shaul, Saul? And the word he said is, you have forsaken the voice of Yahweh. The Hebrew is kol. Kol is the voice, kol, Yahweh. That's, that's what the word of God is. It is the voice of Yahweh. And what I want to do with our balance of time today is to summarize Psalm 119. I, there's a lot in here, a tremendous amount in here, but I've tried to categorize uh, some of the key verses. And what I've done is gone through each of the section, you'll notice uh, in the English Bible, it has a strange word in front of every eight verses. Uh, it's the eight, those verses would be called a strophe in Hebrew poetry. And it, sa- it says, Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Daleth, He, Wow, or Vow, Zion. This is a good way to learn what? The Hebrew alphabet. Heth, Teth, Yod, Kaf, Lamed, Mem, Nun, Samak, Pe, oh, I missed Ayan, sorry. Ayan, Pe, Tzare, Kof, Resh, Sin, and Shen. They're combined together. Uh, and then Tau, the last letter. So each of these eight verses, uh, the cool thing is, it would be awesome if we could look at it in the Hebrew Bible, because every one of the eight verses starts with that particular letter, the Aleph, the Beth, the Gimel. So each line begins with that letter. I think you got that, right? You understand that? Yes, yes, we nod, we nod. I want to don't nod if you don't understand, but <laughs> I feel like I don't need to explain that anymore. <laughs> so what this is is a tremendous work of art, too. I mean, it, uh, obviously poems are art, and this is a great work, amazing. It's a big, big, huge canvas with lots of work on this big, huge uh, linguistic canvas and tremendous amount of labor and hours uh, to put together this beautiful psalm about the Word of God. Um, and, of course, it is written, uh, we're pretty sure it's written by David. Uh, we don't, I guess we don't know exactly since my Bible doesn't title it thus. Um, so what I've, de- what I've decided to do is kind of go through each of the strophes, and I, took, I just, just sort of randomly took the first verse off of each one and then categorized them together. So I come up with uh, three parts, three different kinds of, of uh, verses, and my outline is then the need and the plan and the benefits. The verses that express need the verses that express the plan to meet that need, and then finally, the benefits of God's planned way to meet the needs of humanity. So that's what I want to do, uh, first of all. First of all, as, as you heard us reading it, 
It's a very intense psalm. The psalms are intense. There's a lot of emotions that come through this poetry. And, and sometimes, I think one of the characteristics of, of Americans, uh, particularly European Americans, is the um, discomfort with expressing emotions. We tend to suppress emotions. I'm from, you know, I'm from Swedish and Norwegian heritage, and those folks aren't well known for expressing a lot of emotions. Uh, my, my grandfather, don't laugh, but his name was Oscar Meyer. He didn't make any hot dogs, but his name was Oscar Meyer, and he was a Norwegian logger up in the uh, Seattle area. That was his career, his chosen career. He pretty much lost the business during the Great Depression, then became a sharecropper. Uh, my mom remembers heating the house by collecting cow pies, you know, dried cow pies and burning them in their, their stove. But anyway, what, what am I talking about? I'm, ta- I'm talking about not expressing emotion. And, and yet the Bible encourages us, I think, through example, that we should be truthful and honest uh, with our emotions. So the need of humanity, our personal need, is expressed in this psalm in, in very uh, expressive ways. And for example, uh, here's some of the, the leading verses on that. Psalm 119, I don't need to say that for the rest of the time, it's all Psalm 119. But verse 25, verse 25, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Here's somebody who's saying, I'm, I'm down to nothing here. I'm clinging to dust. I need life. I'm desperate. I can't even see that I'm going to live the next day, the next hour, the next moment. I need you. Give me life according to your word. You know, the revelation of God points to life but I'm not feeling it. I'm clinging to dust. Um, Verse 58, another example. I entreat your favor with all my heart. How do we entreat favor with all our heart? What does that look like? What does that feel like, right? You're coming to God not not, uh, like routinely, not coldly, not... uh, checked out, but, but you're checked in, you're intense, you're saying, in, in my inner being, I need you desperately with all my heart. That's verse 58. I entreat your favor, your help, your grace with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. Again, your words made this promise. I'm calling on you, Lord, according to your word. I, it's giving me hope. Uh, Here's verse 81. My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. Verse 94. Some of these aren't the beginning, uh, but most of them are. Uh, The beginning of a strophe. 94 is not. I like this one, though. I am yours. Save me. I'm desperate, Lord. I throw myself on you. I'm yours. Save me. This is my need. I admit it. I can't save myself. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. Verse 145. With my whole heart I cry, answer me. O Lord, I will keep your statutes. 
Can you hear the intensity there? See, how does that compare to our prayer life? Right? And I think probably when you're alone, when you're struggling with something, that's how intense you are. And uh, I'm saying Psalm 119 says that's the way to go. That's not inappropriate. You should be turning your full attention on God, asking for help. With, again, verse 145, with my whole heart, I cry, answer me, oh Lord, I will keep your statutes. You know, I want to serve you. I want to keep your statutes. Uh, 153, again, under the category of, this is my need. Help, help. Pause for a second. Just imagine, honestly, uh, the horror of what we heard about this weekend, that normally placid lake uh, in Missouri, right? And a silly duck boat out there with 30-some-odd people in it. Uh, and then a squall, a thunderstorm rolls in, and suddenly this placid lake has you know, fairly small swells, uh, but rough winds, four foot or so, maybe five foot swells, and that duck boat's just not made for that. Uh, and what, honestly, it's horrible to think about. I'm not trying to trivialize this, but think about the terror in that cabin as that boat is going down. You know, they're not going to be going, oh, Lord, uh, bless the missionaries. Uh, um, uh, thank you for the food. Um, you know, right? It's an intense saying, God, I need you. We need, I'm sure there was not a, lo, not a, a little crying out to the Lord uh, and, and uh, answer me, help us, look on my affliction and deliver me. Look, we need you. I do not forget your law. Here's another one. That's 153, 169 in the same sort of intensity. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. And when you see it in the English text as O Lord, I'm, I've said this many times, but it bears repeating. That is the Hebrew name for God, uh, O Yahweh. Oh, what's the significance of that? Well, he's saying, you are the God who has revealed himself to us through the words of Scripture. This is the Kol Yahweh, the voice of Yahweh. And the awesome thing about this name of God, Yahweh, it's, it's related based on the Hebrew verb to be. And remember when it was revealed to uh, Moses, tell them, I am has sent you. I am, and that's Yahweh, I am. I exist, and I am not silent. I'm real. He exists, and everything else was created by him and for him and through him. So that's who we're calling upon, right? We're calling on this great God, uh, and that's where Psalm 119 leads us to express our need. Uh, So again, back to 169. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. A lot of times in trouble, we're saying, I don't get this. (laughs) This makes no sense. This is is absurd. This is insane, what's going on here. Um, I, I believe God allows absurdity to push us toward him to find truth 
and logic and ultimately believe in his big purpose and his understanding. So 169 says, let me, let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Now, uh, then I want to close out this section of need. Uh, This is a very typical classification of verses in Psalm 119. Close out with the very last two verses. And let's turn, you turn in your Bible. I hope you have that there. And if you have um, the ESV, uh, read out with me, okay? The last two verses, Psalm, uh, Psalm 119, 175, and 176. So everybody ready? Here, let's read together. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Okay, thank you. There again, he closes the whole psalm with a request for help. He says, let my soul live. What does that look like for us? What is that saying about our our natural, uh, actual heading? If If we're left without intervention, the Bible says we're headed for death. We are naturally born rebellious and in in death and in when we come to god we pass from death unto life and without god's intervention we can't come there so he says let my soul live and praise you i want to worship you i want to live for you and let your rules help me i have gone astray like a lost sheep we already talked about the cute little sheep um that, that's the way he feels. I feel vulnerable. I feel like, uh, you know, bait for a mountain lion out here. Bah. You know, I, I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm a lost sheep. I cannot protect myself. Uh, I am willing to admit that. I'm not some big, strong, I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay, like my dear uh, grandpa, Oscar Meyer. Uh, who did come to know the Lord Jesus, by the way. And he's buried in Reedley, California. Uh, that's much more information than you actually need. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you've heard that silly song, I'm a lumberjack. Have you ever heard that song? Uh, Igor, we've got to sing that one a few times. Now. <laughs> something like I sleep all night and I work all day or something like that. Well, uh, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an attractive thing to think that I, I am the captain of my destiny. I can rule the world. I, me, I'm like butter in the sun. <laughs> you know, that's about how really strong I am. I, 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 I can't even keep myself alive for 90 seconds here. You know, my God, I'm dependent on God, 100%. Um, and so it's good, it's, it's okay to say I'm like a lost sheep. It's more than okay, it's actually spiritually necessary to confess your need to God. And that's where we always are. You know, remember, the Christian faith has this beautiful, simple outline about how to be right with God. Okay, very simple. You can be saved right now by faith in Jesus Christ. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible says, 
believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You know, right now, just believe in Jesus and your sins are forgiven and you're saved. Okay, that's one kind of salvation. That's a a part of salvation. Then the big middle part, where we mostly live, we call it sanctification. And it's a process, ongoing process, that once you're a believer, then you're in the middle here, and you're being saved, the Bible says. So it's a process of growth, yes, unfortunately, two steps forward, one step backwards. Uh, and, And we have a lot of failure. And we have some success. <laughs> and that's why we continue to go to church. That's why we continue to read the Bible. That's why we continue to pray for each other. That's why we get involved in each other's lives, because we believe that God wants us to be saved, being saved, growing, process. Uh, absolutely. Salvation is not a destination. It's a journey. Okay, yes. It's a destination. Yes, I'm saved. Hallelujah. But I'm in a, on a journey as well. Right? You understand? So this is a lot about the journey. Uh, I, I need your help, Lord. And, and in this journey, I'm constantly asking for him to help me and to guide me through his precious word. Okay, help. Now, what's the, the plan? The plan is strong and beautiful. This, the plan is God's love. <laughs> There's hope. There's promise. There's power. <laughs> and of course, the awesome thing, too, is Jesus is what? He's the Word of God, isn't he? He's the communication from God uh, about steadfast love, about overcoming, about victory, about blood for our sins and salvation. Okay, but, but here, Psalm 119, the poem on the Word of God. Here's some... Uh, uh, Verses from Psalm 119 I want you to think about. First of all, though, uh, let me say this about this. The, w- the Word of God is the voice of Yahweh. And He knows. He's never wrong. He knows everything. He, he's not guessing. Um, he's not practicing medicine. <laughs> he, he knows the, the medicine. He knows the salvation. And he, his, his word diagnoses the problem accurately and prescribes the solution accurately. It's not a guessing game. There's no, you know, uh, peer-reviewed b- double-blind studies to try to guess if God's prescriptions and God's diagnosis are accurate. See, that's a huge difference, right? You understand what I'm saying? The Word of God is the accurate description of our need and the accurate prescription, the accurate solution to the problem. Uh, that's huge to know. What is the solution? God gives us the solution. And first of all, uh, it's this sense of, of stability, the Word of God. Verse 89, forever. O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Isn't that awesome? The word of God doesn't need to be fixed, doesn't need to be edited. It's firmly fixed in the heavens. You know, even if it's questioned on earth, even if it's doubted on earth, even if it's considered ridiculous to believe the Bible on earth, it's, it's fixed. It's secure. 
And if you want to be on the right side of history, you will believe that, because ultimately everyone ends up knowing that, whether it's too late for them or not. Psalm 89, I mean, verse 89. Uh, and then here is uh, verse 91. Oh, th- th- let's turn here real quick. Yeah, I have a couple of minutes. You, you don't have to turn, but look at w- verse 91 and uh, going up to 90, 89. Uh, I just read 89. Yeah. Forever, O Yahweh, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Verse 90. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day. Now, what is that saying? He's saying, right now, as I'm writing this, the word of God is firmly fixed in the heavens, and the human race is continuing to go on on the earth, endures to all generations, your faithfulness, your faithfulness. And then you've established the earth, and it stands fast. You know, as of this writing, the earth's still going on. Uh, and that happens to be true uh, for our day today. He says, by your appointment. Now, why is it uh, that the word of God still stands fast in heaven? And why is it that the earth still exists and is still going on? You know, is it because uh, you know, uh, Im- impersonal forces of, of gravity, of happenstance, of accidental uh, things? Is it you know, amazing contingencies occurred, you know, and we're here, and you're made of stardust. Um, and there's no intelligence, and there's no real God, right? That's the, uh, what do you call that? The popular academic view of reality. They're always searching for origins, right? Let's spend billions of dollars uh, looking for the origins when the Bible says, uh, hey, God made it. Oh, well, that's the origin then. (laughs) This is what it says. By your appointment, his personal design and his appointment, they stand this day. Look at verse 91. This is the basis of the reality of all time and space. For all things are your servants. You know, hallelujah. We don't live in a world where anything could happen at any time. What happens is the appointment of God. Uh, you know, disappointment is his appointment. I think that was Phil Keggy. Uh No, no, that was me. <laughs> I mean, Phil Keggy wrote that poem, I believe. That's a good song. And it's true. Even in disappointment, it's his appointment. And uh, the Bible says all things uh, uh, are according to his divine plan. So, so that's, that's what establishes the word of God. Uh, look at uh, 129 through 130. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. So it's certain and it's light-giving. Then verse 137, Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. They're right, regardless of whether or not they're popular. Uh, Honestly, regardless of whether or not the majority of Protestant 
denominations deny parts of the Word of God, that doesn't make, a, that doesn't make them right. <laughs> They're right because it is the coal, the voice of Yahweh. Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. Verse 137. Look at, look at uh, 160. The sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endures until it is edited by modern man. Oh, no, yeah, it doesn't say that, does it? <laughs> it endures forever. Ha'olam, probably, which is into, into eternity. Uh, it endures. Um, I have a quote here from First Peter as well. Not from Psalm 119. First Peter uh, 1, 24. I've quoted it frequently and recently. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the word. This word is the good news that was preached to you. Hallelujah. So that's the plan. The plan is that God's uh, word is firm and it, it brings light and understanding to the situation. And it is the means of our salvation. The word of God is the means of our salvation. Um, here, let's see. I'm gonna, I, I just noticed my time is running a little bit low, which is good. He, there's a lot of this in this psalm. It's a part of the dependence. It's saying, I need you, and I need you to open my closed mind to your truth. I need you to reveal your truth to me. Like, for example, uh, verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Verse 41 through 42. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Verse 49. Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. See, we're dependent on God to have hope in the word of God. Open my heart, Lord. I need you to get through my rebellious, thick skull so that I could have hope in your word. Uh, here is uh, verse 57 along the same theme. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. And then verse 73. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Okay, that's the need, that's the plan in rough. You'll have to fill in lots of spaces. Uh, let's go to the benefits of this, of this plan and I think this is, you know, summing it up. is Lord, empty me of me so I can be filled with you. That's the goal. Again, it's not about, you know, oh, we love the verbiage in this old book. It's the word of God. It brings us to a personal relationship with God. I want to be filled with you because I'm way too filled with me. I have my own desires, and I want to serve my desires, and I want to repent of that. I want to serve you. A uh, lot here, dealing with sin, the benefits of obeying uh, the word of God, uh, dealing with sin. Blessed are those whose, ways, whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. 
uh, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? Verse 39. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Uh, The blessing of guidance from the word of God. Verse 65. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The blessing of, I love this word. I, I pick up, I listen to uh, national public radio all the time because I, I just got sick of commercials all the time. Then you find out NPR does just as many commercials. You know, They just do it in a much more suave way. <laughs> Brought to you by. But anyway, I still like listening to it. And you'll hear the word mindfulness a lot now nowadays. Um, apparently, this is a part of uh, kind of a Buddhist religious thing. You, you want to be mindful. And I'm thinking, no, you can't have that word, okay? We own that word, baby. <laughs> we want to be mindful, full of God's word, right? We want to have minds meditating, full. We want to be mindful of God and what he is doing. So what is the blessing of the word of God? The blessing of positive mindfulness and discernment. Um, And that's like verse 97. Oh, I love your law. It is my meditation twice a week. (laughs) No, no, no. No, no, no. It's not what it says. It says it's my meditation, not medication, but perhaps it is my meditation all the day. I'm mindful of your word. All the day. Uh, And then it gives us discernment as we are mindful of the word of God. I hate the double-minded, but I I love your law. That's discernment. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. So my my need and that desperateness I talked about uh, turns to God's word and says, you give me hope. I hope in your word. And then uh, finally, it is survival in affliction. There's a lot of affliction in this psalm. Uh, first of all, he says it's a good thing. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. You know, it's a huge blessing if God makes you feel miserable when you sin. You know, if, if you sin and you start to stray and suddenly you're whacked with, I am, this is miserable. I feel like crap. <laughs> Excuse my French. That was French, by the way. Crape. <laughs> You know, I feel horrible. I feel really rotten. And we should say, thank you, God, for that horrible feeling. Now, please help it to push me toward where you want me to be. And that's what he says. Um, Before I was afflicted, I I went astray. Thank God for the affliction. Give me more, sooner, quicker. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. That's verse 67. Um, so there's a lot of affliction here too. All right, we're going to close with that. I'm going to summarize with one more slide, and that is this. Uh, this is kind of the, the benefit package that I've already talked about. Benefits of the Word of God, growing in purity. How, how can we have a pure way? You know, if you, what are you meditating on? It says, I won't let any unholy thing in my life. You've got to say no to ungodliness and replace it with godliness. Uh, so you will be growing in purity. You'll have guidance. Guide me, Lord. This is your truth. I want to know what you want me to do. 
It's by delving into the word of God. And then positive mindfulness. Let's own that word. People talk about mindfulness. Yeah, I'm all into that. I'm into knowing the word of God. I want to know the mind of the Lord. That's something worth knowing, right? Amen? And then finally, uh, uh, survival in affliction. So that's a little bit of a summary of Psalm 119. Let's close with prayer.